Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whatever time you may be listening, welcome to Newsmax Daily for September the 11th, 2023. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. 9-11, the most solemn day of the year in America. 22 years to the day since things as we knew them changed forever. And nearly 3,000 families suffered the most unimaginable loss changing their lives forever and changing our way of life forever. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. President George W. Bush addressing the nation on September the 12th, 2001, the day after our country was attacked. I can hear you! And that was Bush standing on that mountain of rubble at ground zero days after the attack, that iconic picture that stands out in everyone's mind till today. I'm not going to run through the timeline of the plane crashes and the events. You know it well enough by now and likely don't want or need to hear it again. But we must never ever forget the people that were lost on that day. People simply going to work, going about their lives, the firefighters, the pilots, the crew members, all of the victims, families, and, and we must never forget who was responsible for it. In the news just days ago, the so-called Gitmo 5, five terrorists involved in the September 11th attacks, including one of the alleged masterminds, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, actually negotiating with U.S. military prosecutors, or I should say U.S. military prosecutors actually negotiating with the five terrorists in hopes of getting a plea deal in exchange of the death penalty. After allowing this to even happen to begin with, President Biden ultimately decided not to sign the agreement, fortunately. I said the other day the five terrorists have been held at Guantanamo Bay since 2003. 20 years. It's been 20 years that they've been held at Guantanamo Bay. Why haven't they already received their death sentence is the big question. Not only why are they negotiating a plea deal. And today, President Joe Biden will become the first president since the attacks on our country, the attacks on our way of life, our people, to not, not attend any of the official 9-11 remembrance ceremonies taking place across the country. President Biden has decided to skip the September 11th memorial services. It's the first time that American president has declined to attend an official memorial ceremony in either Washington or New York City or Pennsylvania. Instead, President Biden's going to be in Alaska. As American pause to remember the great atrocities of that day, our commander-in-chief will be MIA. It's not all that surprising, to be honest. The Democrats have a long track record of erasing our history. They want people to forget about what happened on that day, much like they want people to forget about the founding of our nation and the Civil War. I wrote a book about this, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. The Taliban did the same thing. Whenever they invaded a nation, they would target cultural institutions, museums, theaters, libraries. They would literally turn the nation's culture into a pile of rubble. 
Now, in America's case, this has been a bloodless jihad, but Democrats have been very successful at erasing our history, tearing down every statue, every monument, renaming parks and buildings and streets. In Memphis, Tennessee, city leaders actually dug up the dead bodies of a Confederate war general and his wife. Not even the dead are allowed to rest in peace. They renamed Confederate Park and removed a statue of Jefferson Davis. Instead, city leaders erected a statue of a giant hair pick and a black power fist. Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Well, that's what Winston Churchill once said. The first step is to erase history and then rewrite history. And that's why American school kids are being taught that our founding fathers were racist and domestic terrorists. That's why kids don't know it was the Republican Party that led the effort to free the slaves in the 1860s. And it was Republicans who fought for civil rights in the 1960s. And that's why most children in this nation right now have no idea what happened on September 11, 2001. But we must never forget that on September 11, 2001, a gang of Muslim radicals hijacked airliners, flew them into buildings, and killed thousands of American citizens in the name of their faith, the religion of peace. Unimaginable horror. We will never forget. But something else happened on that day when passengers aboard another jetliner fought back Republicans and Democrats, gay and straight, black and white. And when they learned that the towers had fallen, that the Pentagon was on fire, they concocted a plan to fight back, but only after they cast their ballots and voted on what to do, the American way. And like so many of our fellow countrymen down through the ages, the men and women on Flight 93 paid the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their lives so that others might live. There is no greater love, such courage, such noble valor. Those are the stories, and those are the lessons that we must never forget. Our children and our children's children must learn of the great evil on that day, but they also must learn of the great good on that day. We must never forget America. That's radio host and author Todd Starnes, who filled in for the Chris Salcedo Show on Newsmax last week. And I mentioned only days ago... Days ago, the New York City Fire Department, which lost 343 firefighters that day and one fire patrolman, just added 43 more names to its World Trade Center Memorial Wall. 43 more people. They died of illnesses related to their work at Ground Zero. Newsmax host Lydia Serrani, a lifelong resident of New York, also recently spoke about the attack at the World Trade Center. When the terror attacks happened, 9-11, Trump was a developer and businessman who immediately went down to ground zero and even paid for recovery efforts. It was a very depressing scene, but I'll tell you what, you really can take heart. These firemen and policemen and the construction workers equally, the courage they have is unbelievable. I mean, they're working, digging out and lifting up steel. And above them, you have 55-story buildings that are very possibly going to be pouring down on them any minute. And they're working like nothing's wrong. I mean, it's they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Everything he's done. Unless you were too young to remember or you weren't born yet, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing at the time. It's that 
type an event, a once-in-a-lifetime, life-changing event, hopefully once-in-a-lifetime. I was live on the radio at a radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida, as it was happening. We had a small TV in the studio so we can always watch for breaking news, and we were actually in a commercial break as it was happening, and then when we came back on the air is when the second plane hit the towers. Musician and patriot Lee Greenwood, God bless the USA, who performs free concerts at remembrance ceremonies every September, was on Newsmax's Wake Up America last September 11th. Lee, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I know you've got the tribute concert coming up. We're going to get to that in just a bit. But if you could, like we've been doing on the show, we had Mayor Giuliani on and others that have shared their experience. Tell us about 9-11. Where were you that day? What do you remember? Uh, hi, Sean. Emma, I was in Los Angeles, actually, with meetings with my record label and agency. And my wife called me in through the magic of media, uh, turned on the television. I saw the second plane at the second tower and take down the 343 firemen, which was just absolutely a tragedy. I went through shock. I went through uh, anger. Uh, and then I got this call from the mayor, uh, Giuliani, and said, we're putting together, as soon as we can, a fireman's memorial. So Bette Midler and I and Mark Anthony went to New York, and we sang for the fireman's memorial there. Uh, President Clinton was in attendance, Governor Pataki, and of course, uh, we all kind of hugged each other in the dugout and, and cried about it. My wife, Kim, was with me, and we just... It it was just a you know a, a, ter a terrific moment of emotion. It was hard to get over. Uh, there were more moments that would follow that, of course, the fourth game of the World Series where you can YouTube the red, white, and blue jacket. When I sang there, the Diamonds, Diamondbacks against the Yankees went seven games, and there was a lot more to that. For the next year, I actually toured the country in support of, and still do now, support those, uh, those fallen heroes for us, the first responders that had to take the hit when the trade towers came down. Singer-songwriter Lee Greenwood on Wake Up America, when the trade towers came down, the vision that most of us will never get out of our heads. The year before last was the 20th anniversary of the attack. At the time, I was working for Cox Media, a radio station uh, owned by Cox Media, and I had a podcast called 10 Minutes with Tony, which I have referenced before on this podcast due to various interviews that I had over the time. One of the best was with a 9-11 survivor that I had interviewed back in 2001, the day after the attack. And then 20 years later, I spoke with him again. So I'm speaking with Glenn from New York, who is a 9-11 survivor. And I have to kind of give you the background here because on 9-12 of 2001, a person that I was working with at the time, kind of a friend of a friend or a relative of a co-worker, I don't remember exactly what the situation was. They put us in touch with Glenn. I was working in West Palm Beach, Florida at the time, and we got in touch with Glenn, who has an incredible story. And now, Glenn, you and I have been in touch over the years. Unfortunately, we only speak every several years around 9-11. So first and foremost, thank you again for your time. Hopefully being able to talk about the worst day in the history of our country or certainly in our lives. Perhaps that is some therapy for you that you get to talk about it. But I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Obviously, I know the whole story, but start at the beginning and tell my listeners where you were and what happened and how it happened to you on 9-11, if you can recount that morning. 
So, yeah, and thanks for uh, having me once again. It is therapeutic. It was a beautiful uh, Tuesday, sunny day. Took the 2-3, which is the express, to Chambers. And lo and behold, the 1-9 wasn't there, so I walked. Now, Glenn, if you could keep in mind, you're, you know, a lot of people that have never lived in New York will be listening sure. to you. So you're right, talking, right, right. you're, you're gotcha, talking about gotcha. the trains, right? You're talking about the trains <laughs> that you yeah, took. Yeah, the two, three subway. I'm sorry. And you're right. And uh, what you do is once you hit Chamber Street, which is downtown uh, Manhattan, you uh, take the one or the nine into right under the World Trade Center. And but by stroke of luck, uh, uh, that timing wasn't there. So I walked and into the concourse and to uh, the revolving doors, at which point that was around 845, 846. And the lobby itself just exploded and blew out. Um, the force of the fuel jet oil down the elevator shafts just exploded. And uh, basically thought it was an explosion, a grenade attack or something, considering 1993 uh, bombing. And I just uh, ran like ran like hell out, out up those steps. Uh, we were, you know, surrounded by loads of people looking up. And uh, the arrest is just, you know, uh, heart-wrenching seeing people uh, jumping to their deaths. And as 903 hit, the second plane uh, hit the, uh, the South Tower. But uh, I was lucky to get out. I was lucky to uh, get on to, a, to the last train out of Manhattan in, into Jamaica, Queens. Most people had to walk over that Brooklyn Bridge after the uh, towers collapsed. So, so I was very fortunate to get out of there. Essentially, the one train being late and you deciding to walk more or less saved your life. And I Correct. know as many times as you've recounted this for me, I believe you stopped to smoke a cigarette on the way, which also <laughs> helped make you a little bit later, right? Yeah, uh, you know, the, a bad habit saved my life. Uh, stopped me from going through the revolving doors and, and, and getting up to the uh, elevator chutes. And that's why I probably would have been perished. So you are right, Tony. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Glenn, but I would imagine even till this day, 20 years later now, every day you must think that you're lucky to be alive. Certainly when this time of the year rolls around and everybody is reflecting and remembering and every year we have to see all the horrific video and relive the whole thing. As impactful as it is on me and I wasn't even there, I can't can't imagine somebody like you who narrowly escaped death 15, 20, 30 more seconds could have been a different story for you. That's right, Tony. Um, I'm very thankful. Um, and the years preceding, uh, uh, the world just came together. I mean, uh, New York itself. You know, it's sad as time goes on that people sometimes do forget and uh, a lot of the children don't even recall it because it's, uh, you know, it happened before they were born. But uh, it's, it's, it's something that us New Yorkers, uh, we will never forget. We will never forget it. And that phrase, Glenn, we will never forget, certainly has become the mantra being from New York myself, of course, I know that really, really holds true for New Yorkers. And you mentioned, unfortunately, you know, some people have sort of forgotten what the real devastation was. But for families that were directly affected, for people that live and work in New York City that were directly affected, certainly when you're in that part of the city, at least, it has to be like it just happened yesterday. That's correct, especially the survivors, the uh, families of uh, the victims um, going down to those uh, pools and, and, and just seeing the names on the granite and just seeing the uh, museum. Uh, I've never been in the museum, uh, Tony, so I'm just not ready for that. 
but I was down uh, a few years ago. I saw the pools, and uh, yeah, it's it definitely uh, it's definitely heart wrenching, and, and brings back the memories uh, that those buildings are just gone. You know. I have been to the site of the World Trade Center. I went to the museum, which I still don't really know how I feel about the museum, but certainly the park, the reflection ponds, obviously that's all great for the family of the victims. It is very peaceful, but it's kind of eerie. As far as the resiliency, which you also mentioned, yes, for people that don't know New York City or haven't been there, next to where the World Trade Center is, they built the Freedom Tower, which is like the biggest building in the United States, I think. Correct. Well, you know, Tony, uh, that tower went up and it couldn't have been big enough because they show the world and, and, and show these terrorists that nothing's going to stop America. Nothing's going to stop the New York uh, effort. So, yeah, it's a great building. Is that the sentiment among New Yorkers? They look at it like that shows the greatness of New York City and America. Yes, I think it's exactly what it shows. We had to build something. We had to put something up um, because anything else would have been uh, just a slap in our face. Well, it's obvious in your voice, in your tone, that it's still very, very emotional for you, not only speaking about that day, but the years and events after that leading up to now. So here we are on the 20th anniversary. Glenn, do you and other survivors that you may know, do you like or not like the fact that we commemorated every year? Obviously, we want to remember the victims and pay our respects to the victims, but is it bothersome that every year they have to reshow all the video, kind of relive the whole thing? I mean, is there a way that we can pay tribute to the victims without reliving all the horrors of it? For me, every year I listen and I, I have it on from start to finish and I do want to hear those names. Um, you know, they were innocent bystanders. Uh, they were they were just businessmen, uh, businesswomen uh, just going to work. You know, the firemen had no idea what they were going into. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's if it's reliving it uh, or the horrors, but it's it's definitely remembering these these uh, heroes who just went to work. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. We certainly want to remember yeah. and honor the victims, but the fact that we have to relive and replay the whole attack and all the horror of it is something that sort of bothers me every year. And I lost two friends from high school. One worked at Cantor Fitzgerald. One was a New York City fireman. I mean, I grew up in New York. So here we are now, 20 years later. The Taliban is back in the news. Afghanistan is back in the news. Do you feel with what's happening now in Afghanistan that this is a reminder of the whole thing, whether we were coming up on 9-11 or not? Personally, I feel like six months from now, I don't think we're going to be as safe as we were six months ago. Do you and other New Yorkers feel that way? Here, here we are supporting a terrorist group um, after 20 years. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think we're all uh, uh, a little concerned about this. I think I, uh, I, think I agree with you. I, I, I don't feel, feel as safe as we were uh, five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember after 9-11 the, the incredible amount of patriotism in the country, which sure. certainly is gone now. But the whole reason we went into Afghanistan was because sure. it was a training ground for terrorists. And now it looks like yep. that's what is going to become again. So I was curious <laughs> yeah. how somebody like you, a 9-11 survivor, a resident of New York City, you know, how people are feeling and thinking about that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Um, what have we accomplished? Uh, the Taliban's running it. I just feel bad for a lot of the, uh, you know, the soldiers out there and protected and so forth. I just hope, you know, I hope they're remembered. 
So based on what you said, you'll be sitting in front of the TV on Saturday morning watching the attacks and honoring the victims. I may uh, not only watch TV, I may even go down to uh, downtown Manhattan and witness it in person. So oh, wow. uh, that's something I'm still considering. I haven't done that in 20 years. So uh, something I'm definitely uh, considering. All right, Glenn. Well, you stay safe. Be well. Certainly appreciate the time and uh, glad to know things are going well for you. Thanks, Tony. And uh, I will uh, always be here to talk about this because it's, it's definitely, like you said, that therapeutic for me. Thank you. It's definitely a somber time for the country. It's amazing how every year around 9-11, Washington and all Americans can just be Americans, regardless of race, religion, and party affiliation. Wouldn't it be nice if we, America, could be like that every day? So that was two years ago, and from 20 years ago, you can still hear the emotion in Glenn's voice. I'm actually in New York today. I'm not going downtown because I'm heading to the airport to get back to Florida. But as you go about your day today or before you go to sleep tonight, if you're listening late at night, maybe you have seen some memorials throughout the day, maybe you haven't, definitely take a moment to remember. And as Todd Starnes mentioned earlier, remember the good, as I just mentioned. Remember the good, the unity, the patriotism, and the caring that came out of it as well. Thanks for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. I will see you right back here tomorrow. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.